Welcome to SeatWorks, a podcast produced by the curriculum and training team at the Center on Education and Training for Employment, a translational research center on Ohio State's campus. We work where research meets reality. I'm your host, Farah Allen, a program coordinator at the center. Our first series of podcasts focuses on workforce development and will feature discussions about preparing an organization for implementation or modification of a training program. To learn more about our work, you can visit our website, seat.osu.edu. That's cete.osu.edu. In this episode, we listen in on a conversation between Tracy Lepicki and John Mosier as they discuss the importance of job analysis and planning a professional development program. Tracy is the Associate Director of Operations and Strategic Initiatives and also the Program Director for the Curriculum and Training Team. John is the Program Lead for the Dacom International Training Center, who brings 25 years of experience in his field. The Center on Education and Training for Employment has a long history of job analysis. I'm joined today by John Mosier, the program lead for our DACOM job analysis program area. John, can we start with you describing a little bit about what job analysis is in general? Sure. Well, first, Tracy, thank you for inviting us to share uh, this information with listeners. Basically, job analysis is a process that uh, many organizations use to get into the depth of what people do in a job. And job descriptions are, are written at a relatively high level. So they don't provide the details of you know, what actually goes on, what people actually do uh, in their jobs. So job analysis is a good way to get to the, the details. So that can be uh, used for developing training programs or for aligning compensation within the organization based on the complexity and other factors in the job it can be used to develop uh, or update job descriptions or uh, even used to develop uh, standard operating procedures and bring consistency to an organization. So it has a lot of uses and it's very common in many companies and colleges. So it sounds like job analysis provides information or serves as an input to tools and procedures that on an organization may need to update or are brand new that need to be implemented in, in that uh, particular organization. Can you describe for us some of the different types of job analysis? Yes, there are different ways that job analysis can be performed. So. For example, I can watch you uh, doing your work and write down what I see and use that as a way to, to analyze your job based solely on that observation. I could also have you record what you do every 20 minutes in a work diary. And then I could go back if you were uh, consistent in doing that for a long period of time, I could analyze that and find out you know, what it is you do specifically. I might interview you. That would be another way to find out what specifically you do in a job. Another common method is to use uh, surveys and you send the survey out to people and ask them to tell you the 15 or 20 most important things they do in a job and then you compile that information and try to come to, to some conclusions that way. Those are 
some of the other methods besides Dagan. Dagan, let's talk about that specifically. That's the approach that we use in our center. If you could talk about what that process looks like. Well, Dagan is actually an acronym. It stands for Developing a Curriculum. So here at the Center on Education and Training for Employment, uh, the Dagan International Training Center is a unit within SEAT. And there aren't a whole lot of providers of DACUM uh, services throughout the world. In fact, there's probably only two or three at this point. And the DACUM International Training Center is unique to all of them in that we, as our name implies, are international in scope. This process is not used just here in the United States, but it's actually used worldwide by various countries uh, as the basis for developing a lot of their workforce development programs or their competency-based training programs. So that makes us very unique and uh, with a reach that's unlike anyone else. Uh, so that's, that's to Ohio State's credit. It was first developed in Canada in the late 60s and early 70s. And my predecessor, Dr. Bob Norton, found out about it from Holland College in Prince Edward Island uh, in Canada. And so he brought uh, some folks down to Ohio State and learned more about the process and was intrigued. And so began working with it in uh, probably the mid 70s, really refine it to what it is today. But essentially what it is, it's a method uh, using a panel of experts in a job that you recruit and those people share with the facilitator what it is they do, the work they perform, in terms of duties and tasks. And that information is then posted on a, a sort of a chart in the front of the room where the group is meeting. And that begins to form a picture of exactly the duties and tasks that uh, the, the panelists perform. And so that, in turn, is going to then serve as the foundation for developing competency-based training. That's the most common use from the DACOM outcomes. Mentioning competency-based training, my next question is actually related to professional development planning. Can you go into a little bit more depth about how the results of a DACOM analysis can drive professional development planning? Sure. A lot of times, professional development training may be based on research or some input from uh, different sources, but it never quite hits the mark, if you will, in terms of what people really do in that job. And so what DACOM does, it takes that expertise of the panel members, and usually there are between six and 10 members of a panel, and takes that expertise and captures it and organizes it in a way that clearly defines the units of work that people perform. That in turn serves as a very solid foundation for developing a, a competency-based training program. So in turn, that ensures that the training that we're providing people is based specifically on the work that they do. So it helps to ensure a good alignment uh, and therefore the training is you know, right on target. So John, what you just described to me is a great way of explaining SEAT's role in translational research. I just heard the idea of taking and moving from a research to practice perspective where 
really one of the key components in the DACOM process is really focusing on that experience of the subject matter expert, the person on the panel, and what the job really looks like in practice, very much capitalizing on that aspect of SEAT's work. I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about what does it look like to both perform a DACOM job analysis in the context that we're working in right now, where many of us are working at home and and maybe not on site as we were in the spring. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Why maybe DACOM is needed now more than ever? And then what the pandemic has done to impact how we go about doing DACOM? Well, uh, for sure, it's the pandemic has had an impact on it. Uh, typically, we would conduct DACOM workshops face-to-face over the course of two days. So the facilitator is standing in front of the six to ten panel members and interacting with them throughout the course of the two days. So the pandemic uh, has made it difficult to travel and made it difficult, of course, to get groups of people together. So we're coming up with ways to conduct that process virtually. So we still have six to 10 panelists. Uh, we connect uh, with one another uh, through a, a form like this using Zoom. And basically we adapt the process to rather than being two days of face-to-face, we spread it out over multiple days, maybe four or five days of three hours a day. And so we can basically still interact with the panel in much the same way we do face-to-face, get the same information and still feed it back to them when we're complete so that they can verify the work. So it just takes a little bit longer and you don't have that benefit of all the nonverbal cues that you pick up on with a face-to-face interaction. But nonetheless, it still provides a, a nice accurate picture of what people are doing. And now with jobs changing the way they are because of the pandemic, either working from home or in some cases jobs being eliminated and being reorganized. This is a good way to capture now what the new job looks like or what uh, even conceptually you would like that job to look like. So DACOM can play a key role in being able to put that uh, into a chart that an organization can use going forward. When you conduct a job analysis, many times you ask your panelists to describe future trends and concerns. I would imagine that we are right now in the middle of a number of future trends and concerns that maybe didn't appear on charts previously. I know technology is a component that is many times noted by your panelists. Are there other typical enablers and future trends and concerns that show up on a DACOM chart that you think are really driving the need now for new analysis? Sure, technology is probably the one that we hear most consistently uh, that has impacted workers. And um, for many uh, who are accustomed to using technology previously in their day-to-day work, it's not quite the adjustment it is for the individuals who may not be Uh, using a laptop or any other type of technology day-to-day in their work. So it's impacting some people more than others. But 
in one way, shape, or form, it's impacting everybody to some degree. And I think the other thing that we hear a lot is the uncertainty that, um, that arises a- around the job and the future of the work in an organization given the pandemic and how that's going to impact the organization in a way that no one really knows yet at this point in time. So that, that comes up a lot. But basically the point of asking the panel members to share that information is so that we can get a sense or provide a sense to the people using this information, just what the panel members see as the trends and the concerns that they have today uh, in their work. So it it, uh, somewhat gives it a futuristic look too, and, and certainly adds a real strong dose of reality. John, you've described that there's a role for panelists in the DACOM process, and it's a facilitated process. So there would be a facilitator or a team lead. So those are two stakeholders that are involved. What are some of the other groups of folks that would be impacted or would have a stake in the DACOM process, either doing the the process itself or certainly using the results for um, the next steps? Well, the people involved in the process directly besides the facilitator and the panelists are, number one, a recorder. This is the person that records the duties and tasks that the panel members identify as, uh, as given to the recorder by the facilitator. So they record that information on a card that is then placed on the, uh, the wall, or in the case of a virtual DACM, is typed into a, an Excel spreadsheet. The other persons that uh, could be involved would be observers. Technically, they're not participating in the workshop by sharing what they think people in that job do. They're strictly observing the process. And and then at the very end, as we review and refine the work, they may be given an opportunity to ask questions or add any thoughts that they have at that point as well. Uh, Those are the internal people that are involved in the process. As far as who uses that, certainly training the professionals would use that information. Uh, they would be the first folks probably that would get their hands on it to uh, begin to develop competency-based training programs. Assessment folks uh, may also use it to develop certifications or to you know, provide an accreditation for a particular job and its requirements. Compensation and human resources people use it to update job descriptions and assign salary grades and ranges. Uh, So those are just a few of the the stakeholders that find the DACOM data helpful and valuable for various organizational uses. I'm referring to not just companies, but colleges, particularly community colleges. Uh, We work with lots of them. And then government agencies uh, and professional organizations as well find the the data outcomes to be uh, helpful to them too. So those are some of the the people that use these results for various uh, reasons in their organizations. John, so what I hear you describing is that DACOM is a flexible approach to job analysis. Could you talk a little bit about the different uses of the DACOM process? Sure, Tracy. That's one of the nice things about DACOM is that it's very versatile. It can be used in a variety of organizational ways. 
So the most common use of DACOM is to analyze jobs or occupations. And we consider an occupation to be a family of related jobs. That's the most common use of it uh, as a job or occupational analysis method. Beyond that, it can also be used to analyze a process. You may have people from different jobs involved uh, in a, an organizational process. Let's say new hire uh, onboarding processes or orientation processes. And you want to document that. And so you get the stakeholders involved in that uh, process. Another use for it is what we call a functional analysis. Uh, sometimes there's a function uh, of a particular job that cuts across multiple jobs. And so in an instance where you want to capture that common work, if you will, that cuts across multiple jobs, for example, supervising staff is a common function that cuts across a variety of jobs in an organization. If you wanted to analyze just that function of supervising staff, you could get people from different parts of the organization as panel members and then guide the process in a way that would analyze that particular function. Very useful for that. And the other use of it is what we call conceptual analysis. So a lot of times when new jobs are emerging, particularly in a community college, they want to be able to prepare workers for those emerging jobs or occupations. One way to do that is to get people together who have a good vision of what that job or occupation, what people in that role will do, and have them share that vision. And basically, the facilitator guides that process, whereas rather than asking the panel, what do you do, you're asking them, what would you do? if that job existed today. So they're sharing their conceptual vision and that can be organized in a way that forms the foundation then for, let's say, a community college to be able to develop their curriculum, to be able to train people, to provide graduates for that area, depending on what the, the job is. So it is very versatile and flexible in, in terms of being able to do a variety of different outcomes. John, I think that wraps up our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about DACOM at SEAT. Well, thank you, Tracy. It was a real pleasure sharing about DACOM with you today. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will share with your colleagues and friends. If you'd like more information on this topic, you can contact us at go.osu.edu slash Ohio State for work. See our description for details. Be well and bye for now.